this is our talk about the archetypes of the fifth chakra and kind of just starting off with you know the painting the landscape of what this chakra is we've talked about a little bit before but this is all about communication this area in the body and so whenever we're thinking about communication we could start to wonder you know the how that could sort of uh, ripple out across the spectrum of possibilities for one person and the archetypes again i know i say this every time i kind of feel like it's like attaching a warning label to something like warning warning you're going to learn about the archetypes and then you might judge yourself and you know, see yourself in them and so like warning warning don't do that um because it's easy again to judge ourselves so i just kind of like to say a gentle reminder at the beginning of each of these that you know you'll probably recognize yourself in both some of the balanced areas and unbalanced and we oscillate between the two so now that the disclaimer is out of the way um, you start to explore a little bit about the two um you're gonna start with the silent child or the communicator let's do the communicator okay so the uh, so-called positive archetype or the more balanced archetype for this is the communicator and this archetype uses all forms of communication in a way that is related to gathering information integrating the information and then dispersing the information and when we are in a healthy place of being able to communicate we're aware of the deep importance of our words and we're aware that they can be poison or they can be healing and we're having enough consciousness like i i really like once uh, my teacher said to me something about like we're having a session and i was just like unloading some things about what i was thinking and and she was like are your ears even open i was like what <laughs> she's like do you even hear like do you hear yourself when you're talking like like really do you hear yourself or do you just talk and i was like oh i don't know i think i hear myself but maybe not and she gave me the challenge of like throughout the week just like opening my ears and slowing my communication down enough that I was actually like speaking and the words are traveling out of my mouth and then I was hearing them and processing them and when you're talking really fast or when you're really there's a big emotional charge behind words it's very difficult to even hear the own words that we're hearing and without hearing our own words it's very difficult to have awareness and consciousness about the things that are being said so the when we're in the acting in the archetype of the communicator we're hearing our own words and and we're aware of what we're saying and so i think when we're aware of what we're saying we're able to speak with a combination of compassion and honesty so both of those things are there um, and that's sometimes what's missing when we're not in that healthy archetype is either the compassion or the honesty um, and when i'm hearing what i'm saying and i'm going slow enough to receive myself while i'm talking uh, I can usually communicate in a way that is um, healthy and balanced for myself and for the person who's who I'm communicating with. Are there any people that you think really have this archetype um, pretty well embodied that perhaps people might know, um, just sort of a as a as a symbol of what this looks like? Hmm. 
I've never thought about that. Um, like like a famous person, like that most people would know who they are. Yeah, or you can start with like who you know that most people would know. <clears throat> um, I honestly, I don't know that many people. Like I guess like if I could think of like like Oprah comes to mind, you know, <laughs> she's an excellent communicator and being a good communicator also involves being a deep listener. Mm-hmm. And I don't know her, but I get the sense, I get the sense that like she's deeply listening when people talk to her. And I get the sense that the communication is coming from all the multidimensional realms and she's integrating it. And she has this ability through her words and her communication to, um, to reach people, uh, transcending through, through all kinds of different cultural, you know, norms. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like uh, as a famous person, she, she jumps into my mind, um, who I know, like, I think maybe just like a couple of the teachers that I've worked with, uh, embody this ability, but they're all very old, mm-hmm. <laughs> old, old, not all that old, but they're like in their seventies. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anybody in mind that embodies that? Hmm. Yeah, it seems like one of those things that comes on board a little older, mm-hmm. a little later on. Um, if I think about also the teachers I've worked with and people I've listened to, there's this um, wisdom that goes behind the words that is sort of manifest in patience Mm -hmm. selection and um, pace Mm -hmm. and how one communicates their ideas or their reality Um, and when it's present in a young person you notice it you know wow there's a lot of presence there's a lot of um, I think you very much have that uh, Mm -hmm. when you're talking when I think about people in sort of the spiritual community who you know, aren't in their 70s, a Matt Kahn comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Where he's talking, and a lot comes through when he talks, and he'll take a pause. He'll take a break. He doesn't need to fill the area with more words. Um, I think that's really, really... That communicates a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the contrast between those two. Um, who else? I don't know. That's it. It's really easy to think of examples of, um, you know, how it doesn't work, but it's kind of difficult to find um, too many examples of how it does. I think politically, Barack Obama would be per- a person who would embody that ability to communicate with um, pace, presence and um, weight behind each word. Um. Yeah, it, p- politics is a hard one, though, because, um, like, I agree with you with his uh, his ability to communicate and, like, the words come through and they grab you. If I'm thinking, though, like, the political spectrum in general almost seems to make it so that this archetype cannot ever fully be embodied. And yeah. the reason for that, I think, is because one of the main uh, qualifiers for this archetype to be embodied is for the speaker to, to you know, when they're in this, it's always coming from a place of truth. Mm-hmm. And, like, no matter who the politician is, like, 
I think that the arena itself makes it really difficult for well, truth. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's why when you ask like famous people who I started going through the list of people you know who communicate well in politics and and then I was like oh but like truth and no agenda other than truth and and whatnot like it's almost like it's it's those models or examples are set up for failure uh, no matter what because even if they come in with that as their their archetype like once in that arena uh, just by the very nature of the game, it seems to make it quite impossible to be a true ambassador of any of the fully balanced archetypes. Which I think is just as important as being able to have an example. If you see that there's a lack of an example, it tells you a lot about the culture, the country, the people, the profession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that maybe when you ask like, oh, what are the examples of this? It's kind of like a stumping question for me because, but that's a reflection of our culture and i think it's because truth the culture is so driven by things that are not truth oriented that um like like when we look at like money and power and those types of things to to really acquire a large amount of money and power in in the context of our culture it seems that most of the time uh truth is not the way that we get there yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and uh so i think i think that could be part of the uh the missing example piece, um, you know, and even like, yeah, like the pacing, when you said that, that really rings true for me. Like when we have yoga teacher trainings, we're constantly talking about like, don't be afraid to leave long gaps of quiet because it's in those gaps of silence and quiet that whatever has come through has a moment to be, you know, like received and like digested a little bit. Yeah, that reminds me of a class we were in, I think yesterday, when we were in Shavasana, it was the end, it was, I was really relaxed, and the teacher kept telling how to be relaxed, and, <laughs> the whole time, and then yeah. what to focus on, and then what else to focus on, and then how not to focus on anything, I'm like, you know, I really hope there comes a quiet time pretty soon, because <laughs> I'd really like to have silence. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I guess that's a part of the communicator, is like listening Mm -hmm. listening to the own words that you're speaking and then the ability to make space and listen to others and that happens so when so the communicator in and of itself isn't positive when the when the communicator has there's an overabundance of communicator energy um in the throat Mm -hmm. then it's like no space for the other person Mm -hmm. no space and that can happen when we get excited mm-hmm. about an idea or when we're really, when we have a lot of passion and fire, sometimes it can be like, Ooh. and then that listening piece, it, it almost to me is like, if a person is receiving themselves, then they don't speed up quite as much and uh, there's more pace and there's more room for both people. Yeah. If someone's not receiving themselves uh, or their own energy or their own passion, it's just flying out of them. Um, that can be exciting because there's like a lot of energy moving, but it can also be uh, a sign that the lack of receiving in oneself is is uh, sort of demonstrating the excessive throat energy is not balanced. Whenever I find myself in a position like that, I'm realizing that I'm not receiving myself. This is just coming to me as I'm hearing you talk about this because I 
will repeat a point a couple of times mm-hmm. and because I haven't received myself and the words that I said to the point where I know it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it again and I'll say it in a different way and then I'll say it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's like the, the concept that we're, through, we're working out through our language uh, our beliefs and mm-hmm. our perspectives and then when we're with another person doing that if there isn't space for them to receive and then reflect back to us um then it's it's kind of like uh becomes sort of like the excessive throat energy is sort of using the person or the time together to work out their own experience which mm-hmm. isn't bad and it's what it's how we you know get figure things out as humans together mm-hmm. um and when it's balanced, I feel like there's, in, in the communicator archetype, when it's balanced, there's, like, space for, for you know, you know when you're in a conversation, uh, I do this sometimes when people are talking and then I'm already thinking the next thing I'm going to say, mm-hmm. that's an excess in the third energy. It's like, it's just like. This, <laughs> this would happen in ceremony spaces, like, five, four years ago, where you'd have an experience with a group of people or even say it's a retreat or a silent meditation and then everyone gets together to talk about their experience. The sharing circle. I remember just sitting there thinking about what I was going to say and how to say it and then someone just said, and don't think about what you're going to say. Yeah. And I tried that on and it was just so much easier. And I noticed I could receive what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much like a relationship with of one when you're already thinking what yeah. you're going to say next. And that, that goes into the communicator in its excess. Mm. It's just like there's no space. So space is, you know, a really important part of the healthy communicator. Putting an idea out there and like giving it time to digest. You know, before we move on to responding or like I had one uh, teacher one time say this was years ago there's just like a some kind of class on communication or something and it was like when some you know if you're one of these people who like is like very sometimes it's just you know you have an excess amount of energy and you're passionate and excited it's not bad but if you want to create an experience that's more intimate with people and you're practicing learning how to like receive yourself and receive them before you speak after someone speaks just like take a breath in and count one two, three, take your breath out and then respond, right? Because a lot of times when, when we get to the silent child, if somebody's been in a silent child, it can manifest as like, you know, like a total withdrawing and silence and packing down of things and not speaking up. Or if that's been their experience growing up, it can also be like, I really need to be seen. So like, Mm. I'm always thinking of the next thing I'm going to say. And we come by these things quite honestly, like there's, there's, we do what we do to cope and survive and you know um, in modern healing and psychology and stuff it's very a lot of times very uh, pathologizing you know these things and it's like these are just responses and coping mechanisms to how we feel we were seen and heard as a child in informative parts of our lives and our experiences and, and energetically how we're seen and heard so this idea of space and this idea of like um being able to be excited to hear what someone else is going to contribute to the mm-hmm. conversation. 
As opposed to um, just talking at somebody. Taking up all the space. Taking up all the space. And that goes into sort of what I was, I think I said a little bit, maybe in the overview of the chakras, just like what's, so the self-awareness piece is what's my relationship to taking up space? Do I have to be the biggest person in the room energetically? Or do I have to be the smallest person in the room energetically? Or do mm-hmm. I oscillate between the two depending on the room? Like there are some rooms I go into where energetically like I need to be the biggest, especially when I'm scared. And others where I'm like, ooh, I need to be the smallest. I don't want to be seen. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because, and that's the thing is like we oscillate. Like most of us aren't only one thing. We're, yeah. we're moving fluidly between them. And truly, I, like I don't know if it really matters if you ever get to the point where you're like this master communicator archetype i think it's just consciousness is witnessing like how you're reacting in a moment energetically and emotionally it's just a compassionate witnessing eye it doesn't necessarily mean the behavior has to change like you know of course life would be easier for in the balanced archetypes all the time but i I don't know that that's uh that that's really the nature of life just to become a witness Yeah, I wonder if it'd be easier if it'd just be different. Mm-hmm. Like if everything worked all perfectly and we didn't have anything to work on or we didn't have anything that was unconscious, what would that even look like? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like what would that look like? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think maybe then you would just die. <laughs> maybe. Because like life seems to be... Uh, well, we got told this yesterday that life is not comfortable. And if you're comfortable, you've gotten numb. Yep. It's like, damn it, I want to be comfortable. The um, only time you should be comfortable is when you're getting ready to bed, go to bed. Yeah. And even then, you're probably not that comfortable. <laughs> In our case, we really need to get new pillows. I'm, I'm not very comfortable when I'm sleeping. But anyway. So the silent child. Yeah, yeah, the silent child. So it's a contrast to the communicator. And I think... Like, this is a big one right now in our culture um, in so many different ways. I know, like, I've really had an intimate relationship with the silent child archetype at different points in my life. Um, and this archetype really, like, has, a, has difficulty um, telling the truth. Hmm. And telling the truth, I don't necessarily mean, like, obvious lies or obvious deception, uh, or although it can be that. I more so think that this manifests, uh, at least for me, it was like pushing my true emotions and needs down and then not being honest in the communication. So like, oh, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Really, mm. I'm like really not fine at all, and I have a lot that I need to tell this person in order to have a healthy relationship, but I'm either too afraid of that communication or you know, to survive, I had to learn to be nice all the time or placating or pleasing. Um, and so they don't necessarily have a difficulty speaking the truth as much as they have difficulty speaking their truth, speaking one's truth. Yeah, yeah. And it could be either. Like I know mm. some people who in the silent archetype, like, you know, like truly do like make up a lot of stories um, and and tell outright lies. Like that can be one way that it manifests. We've all probably, most people at one point or another have, you read the studies on uh, lying and deception and like, I can't remember exactly what it is, but uh, it's the top of my head, but like the average person tells X number of like lies a day and Mm. it's it's a really high number. Mm. And I think until we start to like get conscious of like, 
you know, why do we do that? And, and usually there's a need to please or be liked or accepted that is driving that kind of behavior and rarely do we acknowledge what's driving the behavior more often we're just looking at the behavior and you know writing it off and rightfully so it can i mean i've had some relationships with people where there's been mistruth told and it's very hard it's very hard to stay in something like that so what does the silent child gain from being silent I mean, I think a lot of times it's about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about feeling safe, liked, accepted, welcome. Um, and so a lot of times if you haven't had those things or you've been different in some way or felt like you didn't belong or fit in, which is most people, right? We all have a different experience of it. Uh, we we tend to close up. And, and this can also be, you know, on the extreme end of it, like, like uh, abuse, Uh, verbal abuse in particular causes the throat chakra to totally shut down um so when we've yeah we've been verbally abused by someone in a position of authority for some kids like there's a coach that's been that way like in their sports team their parent could have been that way or a teacher humiliated Mm. you know like being being shamed publicly or humiliated can really bring on this archetype definitely um physical and sexual abuse as well any kind of abuse, especially at a young age, can really bring this on. Traumatic experiences um, can just shut this center down. Um, words and communication of our experiences, if we can't communicate these experiences that have happened to us, then we can't really communicate much else either. Um, I know like some experiences I had as a kid were really, really uh, damaging and difficult and... Um, like I couldn't, I couldn't communicate fully, truthfully all the time because the situation that was going on, like I felt like I couldn't tell, you know. And I, I know a lot of a lot of people and a lot of women have been in this position where, like, there's a, a threat if you tell or whatever. So everything has to sort of circle this thing that's happening, and you can't you can't talk about it, right? And this can happen in families where there's like, um, you know, alcoholism. This can happen when there's drug use. This can happen when there's abuse. Anything that feels like a shameful secret of the family, right? That that the, a member of the family has to kind of keep that secret. And that can be really, really scary and cause silence and the inability to speak up. So if you don't have permission to speak the truth in your day-to-day life, then, you know, like, how are you going to do that uh, as a as an adult if you haven't brought consciousness and awareness to these things so so it really manifests in stuffing down and suppressing emotions and needs mm-hmm. and we see this um as adults so it's like getting so small that we bring the stories the incidences um the needs small with us maybe so much that they disappear yeah yeah and and like Sometimes when someone can't speak the truth about something that happened to them, you know, I was I was working with a gal who uh, was was really went through some abuse as a child. Her family was fundamentally religious, and there was abuse happening in that situation. And uh, so she had this big pain, right, that she was carrying, but she couldn't speak to it. It was just it was too big, and so she was uh, telling stories about like liter- like making up stories about other like different kind of trauma like i got in a car accident right Mm. there was a story that she had that she tells about all the pain she has from a car accident she never got in a car accident and after a long time working together this came out she said 
so I didn't really get a car accident but that's how I tried it she didn't realize she was like trying to explain like the trauma and the pain of like the impact of abuse she'd been receiving um, and wasn't ready or, or willing or able to speak on it and so she didn't understand why she would keep telling this story to people about being in a car accident when she was never in a car accident but it had become such a real story for her and it was actually her it was her outlet of like mm-hmm. being able to talk about the abuse without naming it um, and so it came to her consciousness and she sought help and, and this is how I started working with her when, when she was like got caught in this lie she had brought like a, a new partner home to her family and they said something you know about the car accident and they're like there was no what there's no car accident so mm-hmm. got exposed she had made this up but what happened was the uh, the you know like was out like you know I just don't want to put in too many details here, but with the the relationship disintegrated uh, because like they thought like how could you lie to me about this car accident that never happened, but really you know in that fundamental religious uh, household experience the impact and the trauma was happening and you know sometimes if we look deeper with people when we see these these mistruths being spoken we can see there's just a fear of, of talking about and telling what has happened mm. so whenever i see that I'm, I'm curious like what might have happened and 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 how are we communicating these these painful things what metaphors are we using in our life and so i just gave like a really big example of that make it big to demonstrate the point but in our own lives when we've had things happen that are difficult sometimes we um sort of tell the story in shades of the truth because we're not quite ready to talk about it that that's an example reminds me of the importance of um, getting past one's judgment of themselves because all of that information all of that wisdom isn't accessible if one just looks at themselves and judges themselves because they're lying about something. They'll just label themselves as a liar versus going a little bit deeper, being curious, asking questions, um, and then coming to some sort of resolution as to, or understanding as to why they're doing what they're doing and how it's not inherently bad. It yeah. just is their mechanism for healing, for comfort, coping. coping. Yeah. If like people just do what they need to do in order to cope with the experiences that are coming up, mm-hmm. and I think that's really what the compassion piece in the balanced archetype of this, the communicator, demonstrates. It's like compassion for yourself, mm-hmm. on, compa- compassion plus honesty and patience. You know, like that really is the communicator and. Um, you know for me like when you read it in a book the books will say okay the communicator is people who can speak people who can sing people who can teach and it's like yes definitely all those things but like how did we get there (laughs) right we had to like be truthful with ourselves forgive ourselves look at the ways that we've engaged in some form of deception or another even if it's just to win someone to our side of a perspective or an argument or something you know, looking at our tendencies to do that creates accountability for ourselves and personal self-responsibility. Um, the ability to say I was wrong. Oh, I didn't know that. I see it differently now. Oh my goodness. Like, you know, being able to communicate difficult truths to ourselves, our families, our friends, um, without making anybody bad or wrong. I think that's the art of a true communicator is just really, like you said, like see someone without judgment. Mm-hmm. see yourself without judgment yeah self first it's hard to self do for first. others without doing for ourselves yeah 
Yeah, so 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 this archetype is really representative of like, you know, the embodiment, the integration of all the work of the other archetypes that have, or the chakras that have come before it um, when we're embodied in the heart center like we talked about in the last one, like the lover and we're in work work compassion. So if I'm like in my heart and I and someone's telling me like I keep getting stuck in my life because I keep telling this lie and I don't understand why, no judgment, just exploration. And it's it's really the the locking into the heart and opening of the heart that lets us then become a solid communicator archetype. Mm-hmm. And and the silent child has a positive side too, which is interesting. Um, it's revealed in the knowledge of when to speak and when to be quiet. <laughs> so that's something about uh, the silent child that is really important, knowing like when to speak and when to be quiet, when to give and when to receive which again was like the lesson of the heart chakra is giving and receiving and reciprocity with relationships. So, um, and knowing that space is okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answers kind of. Yeah. Your, yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're going to dial this one down. It's about 30 minutes already. And um, <laughs> there's another teaching and lesson going on. So we just want to um, end it here. But Thanks for listening and um, just post any questions that you have in the questions spot.